Hello. Hello, Chanel. Thank you so much for being flexible. I apologize. That's okay. I definitely understand. <laughs> I saw Central. I went back through your emails and I was like, okay, Central Time. But it was um, well, something different. I'm not sure. But awesome. Thank you so much for having me on here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for coming to speak to my listeners today. Of course. Um, we're recording now. So welcome to Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast. Um, usually I just, I um, have my guests, you know, tell a little bit about, you know, how they got started in languages, you know, what, what made them, you know, want to enter languages, what was like the earliest time they could remember that they had the language bug and and then I kind of like ask questions based off of what they give me awesome well yeah I can start with kind of my first exposure to language learning um I was blessed to have two parents that served church missions um in Spanish Spanish speaking areas my mom went to Honduras and um and so they came home and they absolutely loved, loved Spanish. Um, and so I think that growing up in that environment where um, there was a love of languages um, sparked my journey. So then in, um, when I was about nine, I decided I wanted to learn sign language. And my parents thought it was a fa- like a phase. And so they gave me an American Sign Language Dictionary book. Um, thinking that would be just a short-lived fun adventure for me but I absolutely loved sign fell in love with it and and have used it my entire life but you know in high school I would I studied some Danish um, I took Latin um, in college I did Arabic uh, I did some German um, just a variety of different things and then I ended up serving my own church mission and that was in Hungary um, I lived in Pest, uh, so I, I know Hungarian, and so that's that's for spoken languages. Then I started learning um, many different um, signed languages. So I think a lot of people may have never thought of the idea of multiple sign languages, but um, mm-hmm. there are so many, hundreds and hundreds. And so I only know of those. I only know about seven. Um, conversational level at least and a few fluent so I hope that answers your question oh wow um I'm just curious did you like wind up going to university and like studying you know ASL having a a degree of some kind or certifications yeah so that process like yeah so um I'm a certified American Sign Language interpreter um Mm -hmm. I went to school, but not specifically for ASL, um, except for one year. The rest of the time I was just getting my degree. And part of the reason was just because sign language is, it was um, something that I used fluently and I was involved in the deaf community uh, for many different reasons. And Mm -hmm. so it it wasn't until later that I became um, a sign language interpreter certified. Um, the process of cert- certification, it kind of depends on each state, but um, there's tests that you take 
that have um, both written and um, visual components. So you'll sit down and they'll have someone speak and you interpret for them, but they'll have you, they'll say, okay, we need you to sign um, this very in English word order. So you interpret that, or we need you to sign it in pure ASL, which is a very different grammar base. Right. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I became introduced to ASL at the age of five. Um, <laughs> awesome. I was a very active and rebunctious child. <laughs> and my mother didn't know what to do with me. Um, so, Bless mothers. <laughs> so her friend's daughter was taking an ASL class. And she said, you know what? Maybe she'll she'll be able to pick this up, you know, because I was so smart. But they didn't know, you know, with me having limited vision, didn't know what what I could do and what I couldn't do. And I wound up picking it up very easily. And I became fluent. However... Over time, um, because I wasn't around a lot of deaf people or hard of hearing people or deaf blind people, um, I had lost a lot of it. I mean, I still know how to, I still fingerspell. I still know how to do basic stuff. I probably would consider myself like A1 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't get the opportunity to sign as much um, anymore. Oh, I'm um, sorry. because I'm not around a lot of deaf people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I I, I made one connection on the bus and I introduced myself. And of course, you know, um, even in deaf culture, it's kind of hard. Uh, They knew what I was saying and I said it correctly, but, you know, they saw my visual impairment and not the fact that I was actually signing yet. They, They just you know, they thought I was total when in fact I'm partial. Partial. So I have a foot in each door. I can't drive and I can't read a newspaper, but I still have color vision and I still have um, peripheral, even though my central vision is less than 10 feet in front of me distance wise. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I still see stop signs and streets and all that. I just, you know, we pull up to somebody's house. I know it's their house. I can see that, but don't ask me what their address is. <laughs> of course. And I, I think just as there's sometimes assumptions about um, American Sign Language and deaf communities, um, there can be, you know, sadly, assumptions the other way as well um, right. with those who are blind. Um, when you met them, were they, they understood what you signed, but they were hesitant to sign to you? Thinking it was um, full. They, they did. They did do some, yes, because I could mm-hmm. see what they were doing. Oh, good. Um, okay. However, um, they didn't know if I was total mm-hmm. or not, and I had <laughs> yeah. to explain I'm not. You know, but yeah. I mean, for me, it's like I have to explain that on a daily basis mm-hmm. when people. Yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, but I mean, it's kind of funny because when I was using sign, which I mean, the last time I used it was probably about 19 years ago, 20 years ago, I would say. Someone had ticked me off and I cussed them out in sign language. And they understood <laughs> everything I said. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and they said, well, you know, you can't say these things to her because it's harassment. And they knew I knew what they meant. 
And I was just like, oh, well, I do remember something. Okay. <laughs> you know, but I mean, and it's kind of funny too, because my mother always used to say, well, she's good at languages. Why isn't she doing this? And I, you know, they didn't, we had deaf blind kids. So I did a lot of finger spelling, a lot of basic sign in their hand, hand over hand, mm-hmm. because yeah. they couldn't see it all. But I mean, it was mostly like more food you know, drink, like, two-syllable words, uh-huh. you know, because I was working with them in the cafeteria, so, and then classroom time, and, you know, everybody's like, you're really good at this, and I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> I'm more of the oral more so than mm-hmm. I am. I mean, I find sign language to be beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. language. It, I just didn't really real, I knew that there was other sign language other forms like you know mm-hmm. British sign language and, mm-hmm. you know every country has their own version just like every country has a braille code you know to be able to read and write in exactly you know but, it's interesting uh, sorry uh-huh. it's just interesting that there it isn't really a different sign language per country but uh-huh. kind of the um like for example, South Africa has fourteen different sign languages. Um, uh, the United States have a few, um, so it, it's it's interesting. There's a wonderful diversity, um, right? Even within state or um, country borders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I believe there's English sign language, ASL, and international. Mm-hmm. And then and have... international is mostly used by um, the. How do I put this? The very well educated, um, and that's changing a bit now. But most of the time, it's like only those who are working in like the deaf international groups or that kind of thing would use international sign. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's more if you know it, you've been educated in it. Um, so yeah, yeah. Because I mean, we mm-hmm. we have the deaf school in Ohio. It's mm-hmm. like right around the corner from the blind school. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I had friends and whatnot, you know, because we rode on the same transportation. And I mean, I learned so much about deaf culture, you know, okay, you're hard of hearing, you're 100% fully deaf, you know, so forth. and so. I mean, mm-hmm. but it, it's, they like the same music we do. <laughs> you better be careful because they crank it up really loud. Yep, exactly. <laughs> You know, so it's, you know, I mean, okay, they would crank it up loud and I would sing loud. So, That's great. So, I mean, but it was a cool experience, you know, for me personally. And that got me started with languages. That's wonderful. You know, you brought up something earlier, um, just that there are a variety of ways that deaf blind people sign. Right. Um, so you have tactile sign. And that's mm-hmm. another word for it is like hand, hand on hand right um signing and that's when the person who's signing or sorry the person who's receiving what's being signed they put their hands on your hands so you're you're signing away and the deafblind person puts their hands on yours and they're right. tracking they're following what you're what you're um yeah i do that too mm-hmm. i i actually because i i had a a friend we're no we're no longer friends but they started to lose their hearing and they're hard of hearing, but mm-hmm. some of it's psychologically based because they were abused as a child. Mm-hmm. And so, 
and they lost their sight to glaucoma and had their eyes removed because their eyes were shrinking and causing a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And so they have prosthetics, but they, they became fluent in, in America, ASL and their partner at 50 something learned ASL in order to communicate with them better, even though they can still speak, you know, English. Yeah. Yet, um, you know, like I would feel what they were doing, you know, and I actually went to a deaf event once at COSI in Columbus and, um, you know, they had all these deaf people signing and I, I did remember some stuff and I did do some signing and, but it was, it was a beautiful thing to watch, mm. you know, them do it. Mm. And, um, I mean, for me personally, you know, I like being around all kinds of people and I've been exposed <laughs> to people who are developmentally delayed. Um, you know, they used to call it mental retardation. Now they call it developmental disability. And then I've dealt with people like that. I've dealt with deaf blind people. I've dealt with deaf blind mute, you know, people that are totally blind, people that are in wheelchairs, you name it. I, I've dealt with disability and you have to have a, a real like tolerance and for, you know, people like that, because some people don't have patience when trying to communicate you know they just want to get what they want across and that's it um i I think for me my experience has been uh the that that priority of reaching communication right um trumps nearly everything else and it makes sense with life experiences when you find yourself often being spoken for or um, like someone speaking for you or right. your, your, no one asks what you want or your opinion, you know, that kind of thing, then, then that makes sense to me as well. But um, it's a beautiful thing to have communication as, as the number one focus. I've, I have had so many experiences around the world as I've lived abroad where I'll meet um, someone who is deaf um, randomly on the street or anything. And uh, time stands still. It's about reaching communication. They don't give up. I don't give up. And we're going to work so hard to be able to communicate. And it's, right. a, it's a wonderful thing. Whereas um, hearing people, you know, they're willing to work for, with you for a few minutes, um, you know, maybe max 10 or 15 minutes, you know. Um, but it would easily happen that it would be 45 minutes before we could communicate with each other uh, to some degree. But right. th- like because that number one priority is communication it it enabled for some beautiful beautiful shared moments um yeah it's a beautiful thing and and just to go back to what i was saying about um various kinds of ways that deafblind people use sign language um so one like i said is hand-on-hand signing Mm -hmm. right tactile signing Mm -hmm. the second one is most popular most popularly known um, as the kind that um, Helen Keller used. Um, and that was fingerspelling in the hand. Right. And yeah, everything was fingerspelled. Yeah, I, yeah. I still, I, I'm actually a faster fingerspeller. That's great. Yeah, and so that's one way that um, some people do it. Um, it's extremely exhausting. So thankfully oh God, there's yes. the other kind of signing. 
tactile signing is definitely definitely uh, an improvement in some ways, but it, it both are valid. And then um, the third option is called tracking, and so that's for someone who has partial vision. They'll mm. have they'll hold your wrist. So as you're signing, they'll grab your wrists, right? So that they can feel the motion of the signs right. and can know where they are so that they can put it in their sphere of vision. Um, right. So that, that's also uh, one way that's commonly used. Uh, so I was interpreting for a, uh, a man who is deafblind and um, he has partial vision. Uh, so sometimes he would track, he would, his hands, sometimes his hands would be completely enveloping mine um, depending on the lighting in the room. Mm-hmm. You'd be very much relying on everything that I'm signing. And then sometimes his hands would slip down to my wrist and track um, if the lighting was good. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to have a sign language club in my um, school about 24 years ago. And there were a few people that were interested in, in you know, the person who... Uh, was doing it was the head of our residential um, program Mm -hmm. and she was like you're a beautiful signer and I was like oh well thank you you know Mm -hmm. and but I mean my vision was still good enough to where I could visually track what she was doing Mm -hmm. without having to now I've gotten to the point where I I do that I either do hand over hand or I use um, wrist Mm -hmm. tracking yeah oh yeah so um, Mm -hmm. but I mean now I have a question. Yeah. Okay. Because let's say you're deaf, blind, and mute. Okay. Um, I do know someone that does have some residual vision, but they're deaf, blind, and mute. And and by mute you mean nonverbal? Right. Well, let's put it like this: they're they're they have allergies to like all kinds of medication. Mm-hmm. And so basically, if they get like a UTI or something. Mm-hmm. There's certain medication you have to take for that. Well, they can't mm-hmm. take it because the effect, the side effects are like really severe. Mm-hmm. But in order to get rid of the infection, they're not going to have a choice but to take it. And as a consequence, their voice becomes lost for like six months to a year mm-hmm. because of it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, because she's deaf and been deaf since she was three. Um, you know, she knows sign language. She knows British sign language and she knows ASL. Mm-hmm. However, like when she's, when she does have her voice back, it's, you know, because she can't hear herself. Mm-hmm. It's really loud. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, so you kind of have to say, can you lower your voice some because you're in the hallway, mm-hmm. you know, and it's at seven o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, for her, sometimes I, I mean, I'll, she still can read what I'm doing, so I'll do a lot of finger spelling, mm-hmm. or I'll trace my, I'll trace the letters in her hand. Yeah, no, that's one way as well is um, um, drawing the letters in someone's hands. That right. was how it was most commonly done way back in the day. Um, right. And so, yeah, that, that's that's another way as well. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot. Um, yeah, because I, I sometimes still do that for some people because yeah, they, yeah. you know. You know, um, it, it's been interesting because the, the deafblind community in the last 10 years specifically has um, 
has had so many wonderful uh, successes in in awareness and um, understanding in in general society. And so, um, a few of these examples are: um, if you go to an event, you can have deafblind interpreters there, um, people who are trained to interpret for for events, and that's a huge deal and and a wonderful experience personally for me. Um, and often you'll have a lot of deaf interpreters. So uh, someone who's deaf interpreting, looking at what is being signed and then like relaying that to the, the deaf blind person via tactile sign. So, um, but you know, there's also a lot of things happening in the community, um, separate from any outside influence. So for example, there are, um, deaf blind acting like shows that are going on and and we might wonder like how does that work if you can't see and you can't hear how would you have a performing art and what they do is um the the main characters um wear a lot of like uh wigs or clothes that have very um very distinct uh materials so that they can tell who is who as they're doing the parts um and so everyone's touching them to know what character they are, right? Mm-hmm. But then also um, the main characters, everyone will stand in a As the main character signs something, then the next person trans- relays it to the next person and the next person relays it to the next person and it goes around the circle. So everyone knows what that actor had said. Um, it's a very unique thing. I'm not an expert in it by any means. I just... Uh, have come across it and I think it's just a beautiful thing and that is performing art um completely for those who are deaf and blind so it's very fascinating yeah because I know that my my friend and I what we would do is now that you know technology has become um important and text-to-speech is on everything now as opposed to 10 years ago Uh, Mm. you know with you know android phones or iPhones or whatever you may use, whether it's a Google Chrome tablet or a Kindle or whatever, you have the opportunity to, you know, have your TTY. And if you have a, if you have a Braille display or you, you know, which those are pretty hard to come by because they cost so much money. Um, <laughs> you, I mean, it's anywhere between $500, $600. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, sometimes you just have to go through voc rehab in order to get one or mm-hmm. you know if you have if you're going to school then you take some refund money and you'll buy one otherwise you're not going to have one because it's just too expensive yeah no, so so what we would do is they would do a lot of texting and they would um you know i would be able to read what they said and we would have a conversation that way mm-hmm. um a lot of times because you know that was easy for them like I know someone that's deaf flying now she's getting her black belt in uh, in Kidu and she's um, a braille um, transcriber and mm-hmm. has her own business um, here in Summit County and um, you know she's you know, deaf and blind. She doesn't talk mm-hmm. on the phone. She does a lot of uh, texting. Mm-hmm. You know, but... and, and I think it de- 
depends on everyone's life experience, right? There's no like one, one kind of person that's deaf blind, right? Because you have those who may have lost their hearing first. Um, They have Usher syndrome. So then they lose the vision eventually, right? Right. Um, So then they might be ASL users um, more connected to the deaf community. Um, whereas those who maybe lost their hearing later, but their vision first right. um, are going to be, you know, more, they're going to use English and maybe rely more on Braille um, or right. utilize Braille more right. so. So it, it, it depends, yeah, on someone's experience. Usher syndrome typically um, will mean, very often, will mean someone's more um, connected with the deaf community. But it's a, it's a wonderful, beautiful, diverse um, community that I love. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I noticed like with my friend, I literally watched them lose their hearing. Yeah. And you know, when you, when you watch someone you care about lose their equilibrium, their hearing their I mean, and this is when they were in their early twenties. Yeah. They started to lose their sight first, then they lost their hearing. And then, you know, it was a whole slew of other medical issues going on with them. It's just like, wow you know and a lot of it's due to the fact that they were born severely premature mm-hmm. like un- they were like one pound three ounces mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of assumptions that can, society makes about them like you know if, if you can't see and you can't hear thus you can't do this 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 when in reality it, so many of the things can be done, can be enjoyed. Um, one of my friends who is deafblind, um, I asked him at one point, like, what are your dreams like? You know, what, what are your dreams? How do you have dreams? Or I first asked him, do you have dreams? And he said, yes, I do. Um, and he was signing to me uh, very visually. And, and he told me that his dreams are made up of smells and mm-hmm. touch and emotions. Um, and and so I was like, okay, yeah, like uh, we're all experiencing the world with the senses that that are ours, you know. And uh, oh yeah. So so the wonderful thing is that all these assumptions about a deafblind person are uh, hopefully are lessening as there's more exposure and more awareness. Um, but I also wanted to talk to um, your listeners who who are blind but wanting to possibly learn sign languages is, is mm-hmm. now a good time to do that mm-hmm. sure okay uh, i think for me um as a person who uses sign i'm i'm a very visual person so i use sign um visually but um sign language is a wonderfully beautiful sign um to learn uh through those who um how do I put this? It's a beautiful language to learn for anyone and everyone because it's very emotion-based. It's um, very area-specific. Like you, like draw a map with your hands, in essence, or you um, right. you create stories that are very um, movement-based, right? And so mm-hmm. it's it's a you know most people would think, oh, you you would only want to learn sign language if you can see it, and I I say absolutely not. There are, as you know, mm-hmm. sign language is beautiful um, in so many ways, not limited just to 
to visual. what we can see, right? Yeah, right. visual. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny you say that because I, I noticed that in the language learning community, even when people are creating course content, they fail to realize that there's a bigger audience out there <laughs> that's not as visual. And so, therefore, they create their books and they'll do like paperback books or they'll do like hardback books, but no ebooks. Mm-hmm. And then some people put a lot of their material in PDF format without the idea that someone has a screen reader on the other end and they mm-hmm. can't read that. The print might be on that page, but it shows up as blank, mm-hmm. you know. And so as a result of that, it's difficult for the person who wants to buy the material to access it. And that even includes their own websites. Like if none of it is accessible and I can't use voiceover and I can't interact with the form field in order to fill out my information or to buy something or click on a button because exactly. your, your stuff isn't accessible, then when you bring that to their attention, it just goes through one ear and out the other. Yeah. And again, some of it might just be limited understanding on, on how to approach language learning in this way, right? right. Um, sadly, there's misunderstanding all around. But, but I think um, there are some online dictionaries that um, do, they write out descriptions of what's happening, not just have a video that shows someone signing it. Right. Um, so hopefully that would be um, of benefit if it says, okay, you're going to take your right hand and move it towards your left hand, um, you know, in a brusque manner or that kind of thing. Um, that, that might be helpful. Um, but right. yeah, I, I, I mean, you're right in that there's limited resources out there that teach sign language in, in that way, unfortunately. Or any, or any language for that matter. I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. Now, yeah. it's kind of funny because I see now a lot more people are listening to audiobooks and people tend to forget audio was invented in the 20s. You know, so it's always been there, but now people start to see it as the new thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, it's been here. What? (laughs) It's the same thing with sign language. It's so many people are uh, learning sign language now. You know, it's the number one learned languages in the United States. Um, It's the third most used language in the United States. Um, And, and you know, all these hearing parents that are teaching little babies how to do baby sign. And it's this crazy new thing. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's like, uh, no, sign language has been here since the dawn of time, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, to me, it's, it's almost like, I mean, I, I hear this all the time. Like, I mean, Lydia Mehova of languagementoring.com, she knows Slovak sign language mm-hmm. and um, she learned it. And, like, I guess Ollie Richards was interested in British Sign Language, you know, as an example. And I know that, I know that, uh, who was it? Benny Lewis is hard of hearing. And so he knows ASL. Mm. And um, he also has ADHD, mm. too. So he, he does sign. I, I've seen videos where he's done it. Mm. And um, I was like, oh, well, that's cool. Well, uh, to be honest, uh, for kids that have ADHD, sign is very effective because they can move, but in a way that they're still communicating or 
being able to understand information. So if they're copy signing um, someone who's um, signing to them, that, that can be very beneficial, which is, it's a great thing. It's not limited to one community. Um, and I think because of all the TV shows that have deaf characters and you have Neil DeMar- Niall DeMarco, who's won America's got, let's see, Dancing with the Stars and Runway, one of the Runway ones. Anyway, because he's won those, uh, deafness is, you know, sign language is um, been definitely in the spotlight for, for some time now. And the good side, the good thing of, with that is that as awareness comes, then um, people are more willing to learn the language, right? They view it as a language and something worth learning. So I, I, but I wish there were more um, resources that would teach sign language um, in a visually impaired friendly way, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny too, because, you know, when I started my um, podcast 11 months ago, um, you know, my whole avenue was to, you know, also do segments and then do interviews with people who, you know, um, learned languages, you know, from around the world and, you know, try to put a, a visually impaired spin on it because there's nobody out here that's talking about language learning yeah. at all from the point of view that I'm trying to do it from because way to go, you know, they just, they're just not. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's kind of funny because I talk to like everybody that I could think of that interests me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, People just don't get invited on to my show just for the hell of it. I have to be inspired by what they just said in a talk or something in order for me to be like, oh, I want to interview this person. (laughs) It's an honor um, to be here. Thank (laughs) you. And for me personally, you know, I learn a lot from listening to these people talk about their journeys because it's like well, I don't feel so bad now. I mean, you know, I'm go- we're all going on a similar journey, but we're doing it in a different way. And, you know, I kind of, I, it, another thing is I'm a woman. And there's not, I mean, there are podcasts with females involved, but not in regards to language learning. You know, mm. um, there's just not enough. Or the fact that, the language learning community as a whole is male saturated. Mm. You know, way to be a pioneer, right? So, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you have Lindsay and you have Kirsten and and, and mm-hmm. Shannon and Lydia and uh, Judith Meyer. You know, you have like Ellen Javin, which I mean, people hear from, but not a lot. You know, she's on Facebook, but, you know, you mm-hmm. don't really, she's active, but not as active. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, you know, we're starting to find more minorities too. And that was another thing I was having some difficulty with as a minority, being African-American. Mm-hmm. You don't see enough people of other minority groups Agreed. You know, in, involved in the language learning community. And then another thing you don't see, it's male oriented. It's like so much testosterone going on. It's unreal. <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I really enjoy what they have to say. But, 
you know, we have a voice too. We can be heard too. And well, that's what I loved about the women in language conference that was put on recently. It was, it was bringing those women in language learning to the table. And I, I thought that was brilliant. Um, and definitely showing the rising tide, um, of those who are women in this, in this world, right? Um, it's a, it's a wonderful time to be alive because it's, it's definitely improving day by day. Yeah. Cause I've seen, I mean, I've met a lot of cool people, you know, attending my first women in language, you know, conference. And I mean, I was quite shocked that I even got pulled to do a lightning talk, you know, <laughs> I mean, and that was, I mean, literally I, I practiced that thing like 12 times just to make <laughs> sure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I was just, blown away by what I had seen and heard throughout those four days. I mean, yeah. it made you more motivated to keep going in your own journey. Definitely. Doing more to bring awareness to women in the language learning community. And mm-hmm. that it's not just about the men. I mean, we embrace them and what they're doing, but at the same time, well, why can't we have the the deals? Why can't we have our own little companies why can't we have our own little you know and i noticed a lot of people have you know their youtube channels and i just cleaned up my youtube channel and now i'm going to put my podcast on youtube i just got to figure out how (laughs) and and and, that's uh, a minor minor bump in the road don't worry (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that I am not the most technical savvy person on the face of the planet. I mean, I'm lucky to be able to put a podcast out. I mean, and mm-hmm. I didn't know. And to be straight honest, I had no clue if if this would be popular, if anybody would listen, if anybody would come on my show, if anybody would take me seriously. You know, and when people start saying yes, I mean, literally, I just I literally popped on my chair and was like, wow. You know, I mean, because it, 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 it's just amazing what, you know, people will, um, you know, how helpful they want to be, you know, um, and I, I'm always humbled and grateful that, you know, people come on to talk about their journeys and, and, you know, we have some commonality, you know, (laughs) I mean, there's some, some a couple guests where I sat back and said, I wish I would have asked this question or I wish I would have mm-hmm. done it this differently. Or I was just stunned because they said something that was like, not something you would hear someone say, <laughs> you know, I it's mean, a wonderfully exciting journey doing a podcast. I'm sure. <laughs> right. And so for me personally, it, it, I learned a lot from each guest. Like, I felt bad because I had interviewed Andy Roberts like the weekend before last and the interview cut out seven times and we had to start over seven times and it was so bad that I couldn't use it. I had posted Mm. and eight people had listened to it and then I pulled it and I told Andy, I said, I cannot put this on. I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the show he was like thank you for having me I am so sorry he was like it's not yeah you know. yeah we, that's the thing like I think when there are technical problems sometimes we think like oh we feel bad like we should have been able to do something about it you know we feel like I, I'm limited 
right. when that happens, right? When often it's just like, no, it's just technology. That's how it happens. And definitely the other person isn't saying, oh, my goodness, Chanel, why didn't you get this fixed beforehand? They're saying, oh, poor Chanel. Like, <laughs> we're both trying to make this happen. And we know how right. frustrating it can be. Uh, I mean, so thankful- because- thankfully, we all have shared understanding that, that it happens. But it's frustrating. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I felt really bad about it. And, hmm. and I, I was just like, wow, I, you know. And I mean, I got a lot out of the interview. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so kind that he didn't know when I was going to go to Langfest. Was it this year or next year? And I said, I don't have a passport. Yes. And so <laughs> uh, when I get good one, job on the yet. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, because it has gone up at first. It was like a hundred yeah. and something dollars. Now it's 200. Hmm. A little over. Um, you know, but it's so worth it. Oh, I was going to say to you, next year, if you have to renew your driver's license, you better make sure that you get the compliant driver's license because now (laughs) things are different. I just found this out because I called the DMV yesterday. Yep. They're definitely making the switch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They was like, oh, well, you don't have this. You can have. I was like, okay, so is a credit card good? A credit card statement? A bank statement? I was like, yeah. I'm like, okay, because I guess they need two forms of information mm-hmm, with your address mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. So, and I said, okay. And then my friend calls me because everything that happens with the government, he thinks is a conspiracy theory. You know? <laughs> we all have that. those friends. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, look, did you call me for this? I'm trying to prepare for an interview tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, it, to me personally, it, you know, things are changing so rapidly that you know i mean even traveling out the country you know you have to make sure this is happening or that and i know 2021 we have to make sure that our passports are good because of certain countries in europe you know you got to have certain things done this way in order to be able to go there and i'm just like why does this have to be so difficult (laughs) Again, worth it. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I, and I Frustrating, I but worth it. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to go to um, back to Canada, but to go to Montreal. Um, because, you know, I, I got to interview Tetsu Young um, back in October. Mm. And um, we were talking about that. He was like, you should come. I was like, once I get a passport. And then I got to, because I have my guide dog with me. So I got to make sure mm-hmm. that I have his stuff and, you know, make sure that, you know, I'm in compliance with you know, traveling with him. Yeah. There are some really great websites for people who travel with animals. Um, yeah. Some awesome websites out there that have tons of information. Yeah. Um, cause I know, cause since he's my guide dog and everything, and, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be the first time we travel outside of the U S together. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, look, if I'm going next door, you know, it's, I don't think it'd be that bad. I mean, I, I have like probably about 10 days to use the certificate that my vet has to write for me Mm -hmm. and then um i have his rabies vaccination Mm -hmm. form yeah so i just said you know i this is what's gonna i can't wait to do it you know um i mean we've been on planes together buses together and cars we haven't been on a boat and we haven't been on a train yet but um on the bucket list yeah, yeah, those are the things I want to do with Bono. I just have to schedule break times. 
<laughs> because of relieving and all that. Yeah, but yeah. Other than that, like, oh, he's very good on an airplane and a car. He doesn't get sick or anything. So, yeah. Awesome. Be, well, I'm be... excited for you and your trip to Montreal. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious if you had seven tips. Um, Chanel, seven tips of language learning from intermediate to, from, um, intermediate to be newbie. Mm-hmm. What what would they be? Well, seven's a big number. Let me start with three and see if I can do three. <laughs> and then we'll add if needed. Um, language learning. Okay, so the first thing is you're going to take a, you're going to make a million mistakes. That's given. That's how language learning works. So you might as well get them done all at the very beginning just by throwing it out there and speaking or signing. Don't be embarrassed. Um, Most people are just impressed that you know that language at all, you know, that you're trying to learn. And if they're not impressed, who cares, right? Like you just want to get your million mistakes out of the way. Um, I learned that the hard way. The first country that I lived in, I lived there for like 10 months. And uh, I was trying to learn the language and I was so embarrassed. I wouldn't say anything unless it was like, I knew it was perfect or nearly so. And as a result, I I just couldn't learn the language very well at all. And so I learned my lesson in the next country that I lived in, Hungary, and I was learning Hungarian. I just was all in, you know, Um, I just started speaking and throwing things out, whether they were conjugated right or not. And they would tell me how to say it correctly and, and I'd move forward. And I, my language learning happens so, so quickly. Um, So yeah, make a million mistakes. Hungarians are very uh, brutal language from what people say. (laughs) Beautiful and brutal. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's, it's an awesome language. It's very difficult. And, and I had learned so many other, or learned the basics of so many other languages before that. And I was just shocked how not similar it is to to any language but it, it's absolutely amazing and and the people were so kind because they were always just blown away that I had taken the time to learn their language right so everyone's willing to help me um yeah so yeah my first thing would be make a million mistakes just right off the bat just do it at the beginning don't don't drag it out don't be embarrassed <laughs> um secondly I think it's important to always always remind yourself that it's always worth it in the end no one ever regrets learning a language ever um, because sometimes you can feel like this is a lot of work for what, you know? Um, and that leads to my third thing. Um, language learning happens much more easily if you have a purpose behind it. So for example, you know, if you're, if you're going to travel to the country, learning the language, knowing that you're going to go to that country usually has a little more uh, stamina um, but even more than that, if you're going to go serve or help people or be involved in um, um, humanitarian work or or anything like that, when you learn a language, knowing that you're going to be able to help people or be able to truly connect with people, then mm-hmm. language becomes more than just a, a formula to put together, right? It, it becomes mm-hmm. something living and something that, that is useful. Um, and I, you know, honestly, I think I'd stick with those three because there's a lot of like technical ways and reasons to learn. And I'm sure you've had amazing speakers on this podcast about that. But for me, those three things have, have made all the difference. And that's why I learned so many is I, I want to help people. I want to, I, I want, I want to either help people or I want them to know that I respect them enough to learn their language. Um, you know, 
you I think that's to... oh go ahead mm-hmm. you just <laughs> said ahead. something that made a lot of sense because I feel the same exact way and I mean okay this is how bad this is okay you learn one language then you go to another language then you go to another you know because once you learn one or two or three languages you want to know them all all <laughs> and it and it gets a bit easier I, I felt like after three three or four it started to feel easier and easier the more languages I learned. Oh, no, but yeah, go ahead. How funny this is! Right now, I am learning Cantonese, Thai, <laughs> and Turkish. Hey, Turkish! That's awesome. Yeah, and I so love, I love Turkish. It's beautiful. And so I, I know, of course, English, American Sign Language. Even though it's been years since I, but I still mm-hmm. count it anyway because I did learn it. <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, Spanish, I learned in college. I taught myself Russian. Um, I met an A2 going into a B1 in French. Mm-hmm. I do know some Dutch. I, I mean, but it's real. it was really easy to pick Dutch up anyway. Mm-hmm. And then um, right now I'm doing my Italian thing um, because I enjoy Italian and Italian guys and cinema and food and gelatos and biscottis <laughs> and cannolis. See, you have a reason behind learning it. Yes. And, <laughs> Gelatos. Uh, right now I'm reading the Hunger Games in Italian. That's awesome. Yeah, I read Harry Potter in Spanish and in Hungarian to keep up my language. Oh I'm, my I'm convinced Harry I'm... Potter is the best way to keep your language up. Oh, I. this is how funny this is. Okay, I'm learning Cantonese. I, I, I have A1 down right now. I need to get to A2 at some point. I said if I get to B1, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to list. I wanted to read Harry Potter, but it's only in Mandarin. Mm-hmm. It's not in Cantonese, really. And I don't know a that list. surprises I me. Mean, even though there is Cantonese Braille, there's Mandarin Braille, Japanese, Vietnamese, and Korean. Mm-hmm. There is Harry Potter in Thai. Mm-hmm. However, I got to find the ebook mm-hmm. for Harry Potter in Thai. Now, I can read with my Braille display 17 different languages, including Arabic, Hungarian, um, Japanese, Chinese, Turkish, Swedish, you know, so your main Norwegian languages, your main Romance languages, your main Germanic languages, two Slavic languages, Polish and Russian. And so, you know, and you got Portuguese, too. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, okay, so I got all that covered, and I can even read in Arabic from right to left. Um, however, Arabic's great. <laughs> I, I have I, I know the alphabet up to a certain point in Arabic. <laughs> Yet, once I learn the whole thing, then it won't be that difficult to read. Um, Yet, like I tell people all the time, I don't know every braille code, so I'm more auditory. So I'll sit there and I'll listen to the stuff. I'll get the ebook and I'll I'll listen to it in that language with voiceover reading it to me on my tablet or on my phone. In that language. However, however, when it comes down to Harry Potter, um, people have been generous enough to share certain Harry Potter books with me. So <laughs> I have it in Romanian, Italian. That's awesome. Yeah, truly. I'm like, 
it's so silly that it's Harry Potter, but really for me, I'm like, it, it's in so many languages. Right. And I know the story so well. I love the story so well that it's enjoyable right. to read because even if I don't understand every word, I can get the flow of the story. Um, so it makes me want to read it rather than sitting I there with a dictionary for every word. Right. I, I um, just bought the whole collection digitally because they had a special going on during the holidays mm-hmm. where you can get bundles of different movies for like 50 bucks. So I got all of Harry Potter, and then I just donated all my Harry Potter um, DVDs and, and Blu-ray to the library today. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, and then I donated my print books, my Harry Potter print books, a while ago. I mean, I have all of them in English, in French, Italian, Romanian, Norwegian, Swedish, yeah. Dutch, mm-hmm. uh, a couple in Portu- Brazilian Portuguese. You know, I have them in Russian. I mean, you know, I don't have it in Thai yet. I have it in Turkish and Polish ebook wise. Um, but it's like when when I look at it, I'm going to get it in Japanese ebook. Um, <laughs> but personally, it's almost like people ask me, "Do you read anything else?" I'm like, "Yes, I do." I'm really getting into the whole dramatic thing where I watch the movies in Thai. Mm-hmm. I mean the you know the the, the yeah. speaking and then I have the English subtitles like the soap operas and stuff. Um. Yeah. Well, no, I actually watched a movie called Secrets that was in Thai, and then I watched this one movie in Thai called Still, and it was a um <laughs> a horror movie slash mm-hmm. suspense movie, and it was <laughs> it was really interesting movie. I mean, I I literally can tell you the whole movie just because I watched. I watched it and then I listened to the subtitles because I have voiceover, so it read me the subtitles out loud. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here following this movie, and I'm like, "Oh wow! I don't think I would ever go to that hotel. I don't think I'll ever go in that bathroom. Oh my god! I mean, because people were dying in the bathroom and getting killed. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm partial to sleeping myself. <laughs> I don't do horror movies. So but, you know, I, I, oh good. So, I mean, that's my motivation a lot of times when I learn a lot of these languages. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to dive into the cultural aspects, the cinema, the food, the people. Because here yeah. in Akron, we have such a large community internationally. Mm-hmm. You know, people from India, people from Nepal, people from Burma. That's I mean, awesome. Yemen, pe- people from the Middle East, Eastern Europe, Central Europe, Western Europe, Canada. Puerto Rico, Latin America, Mexico. So, you know, most of the languages I'm studying right now, I'm able to use a little bit here, a little bit there. And people are just so, like, happy to see that. You know, they embrace that. And, you know, everybody's like, well, why don't you go to Europe? I was like, well, why do I have to go to Europe when Europe is in my backyard? That's awesome. I I love diversity. It's yeah, just such a beautiful thing. That's what, yeah. I mean, especially when, you know, you're able to speak something, even if it's a few words or a couple mm-hmm. phrases, it's better than nothing. Yeah. And, and again, for me, it, it shows respect for them and, and, and a desire to learn their language shows that, because unfortunately, sometimes some people who speak a certain language will look down on others who speak a certain language, right? So like, um, it's so sad that some people assume that their language is better than others or theirs should be the primary language than others. Right. 
But when you take the the time to learn, learn some of their language, even if it's just a little bit, you're showing like, I respect you and I think your language is beautiful and I want to learn it. Um, that, that can make for some sweet connections, even if you're not able to speak very much. Oh, so that's I, for me, I, yeah, it's always worth learning. Like no I matter spoke what. some French with someone in a WhatsApp group. They were from Morocco. Mm-hmm. So I said what I said in French. And then they were like, well, let's speak English. Thank you for trying to speak my language. Now, you also speak Arabic and English. Mm-hmm. I literally kept speaking in French. To get the point, I want to be able to, you want to practice your English, I'm going to practice my French with mm-hmm. you. Well, they got to the point where they were so insulting. I just said, it's nice to meet you. Good luck. Bye. And I blocked them from my, my page because I was like, I'm not going to deal with that. Because if you want to practice English, then I get to practice French. You know, half and half. That's it's not just one sided. And I try to pay attention to and bring as well while while I'm on the show talking to people. Oh, I mean, I've heard people say to me, I've never experienced that. And I was like, oh, it it exists (laughs) that you have people that are learning English and their English is not up to par, but you're not slamming them for it. But then when you speak their language. They want to slam you because they think you should be perfect at speaking their language when they're not even perfect (laughs) at speaking their language, let alone English. So I said, you know, it's a learning process, you know. And I mean, I've heard people say to me, I, I love Brazilians, but they always say that their language is difficult. I was like, because to them, learning English is difficult. So they're going to say that their language is difficult when it really isn't. If you know Spanish, you'll be able to pick up Brazilian Portuguese. (laughs) You know, if you know Spanish, you'll be able to pick up French and Italian. If you know French and Italian, you'll be able to pick up Romanian. It's, you know, they're, they're all kind of correlate with each other. You know, vocabulary, different, you know, grammar, because it's Latin based, so forth and so on. So Mm -hmm. I always tell people, I said, you know, even if you know a little bit, Spring it on them. See what mm-hmm. happens. You know, you're not going to always get people who are going to be polite. You're not going to, you know, they, they're going to want to just want to speak with you because they want to speak English and that's it. And they don't want to speak their language. But keep pressing the language. Keep speaking it regardless. <laughs> Even if they speak in that, in, their, in English, just keep going. At some point, they're going to get the hint. You want to speak because you're not reverting to English which that's it um, yeah that's know. a great bit of advice you know it it does take some persistence um but yeah. but you can also tell people like please i'm 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 trying to learn and not everyone will respond to this but but right. be forward and tell people I'm, I'm trying to learn this language and i know i'm messing up a lot but it right. really means a lot to me that you would help me learn you know right um, i mean and i yeah. i will say this culturally speaking if you're disabled and this is depending on the disability, but if you are visually impaired, you have partial vision or you have no vision, th- some cultures frown upon that and they shun you. And I've seen that a lot. Like in certain countries, uh, especially if it's in the Middle East, you will be shunned. Um, 
there's even some places in India where their culture, their faith, you know, they they believe that if you were born that way, it was your fault, which technically it wasn't your fault, but this is what they believe. Yeah. And and I'm just like, uh, I still like your language, even though I think this is crazy. <laughs> um, you know, so, I mean, I try to find more like-minded people, and I always advise that, too, if you're doing a language exchange with someone. You know, find someone that's that's like-minded, and that will be patient. Because if you're willing to be patient with their broken English, and you know it's broken, then they should be able to be patient with you, too. Yeah, yeah. It's all a learning process. You're learning from each other. Mm-hmm. And but, I think the more languages someone learns, mm-hmm. well, maybe this isn't across the board, but but I have noticed that people who have spent time to learn another language are a lot more compassionate and willing to work with you if you're learning a language that's not everyone right but but I, I feel like once you experience the frustration of trying to communicate not being able to as well as you'd like you you are extra aware of those who are going through that same journey beside you you know right I mean it's just yeah. like last year I had two breakthroughs in Russian and in Spanish I was able to speak with someone in Spanish for two hours. I mean, I broke into English maybe a couple times because I didn't remember certain words. But I was able to substitute the words I didn't know for other words. And then I realized I was fluent after that. But I also had a migraine headache for two hours. (laughs) And it took two hours for me to come down from that headache. Then I spoke to someone that spoke no English in Russian for two hours and made them laugh. And they understood everything I said. And this was after three years of studying Russian independently. So I said, if I can do this, and I'm doing it with hardly any money, free resources and whatever little I do buy, um, you know, then anybody can do it. You know? Exactly. So I want oh, I wanted to ask, could you tell people where they can find you? If they oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and please reach out if you'd like. Um, so my is www.intersign.com, or sorry, mm-hmm. intersignuniversity.com. Okay. Uh, so www.intersignuniversity.com. And that's where um, I have, I started a company for teaching sign languages from around the world. And so we have um, people from, Nepal and South Korea and and Russia and um, all over the world that are are teaching their sign languages there. Um, please reach out. Um, unfortunately, they're not uh, visually impaired friendly yet, and that's something I want to work on. Um, so I apologize for that. It's still at the very beginning. Yeah. So- um, or you can just email me at international sign tutor at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Destiny, for coming on to the show and talking. Thank to you, me Chanel. My, my lovely listeners from around the world. <laughs> you know, you don't realize until you do the analytics and you find out how many people. I mean, like I have after France, I have like one person per country listening to me. That's awesome. So I'm well, hello, like, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, but the U.S. is like 88 people. <laughs> so, but I want to tell all of my listeners, thank you for listening today. 
um, you know, you know where to download the podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Google Play Store, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you can download podcasts from. Thank you to the new people who have subscribed, um, all 27 of you. Um, thank you to the sponsors of the show, Flipboard, of Flipboard.com. And once again, language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the podcast. And I will see you all in the next episode of Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast. Au revoir.